Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast, part two of our, probably going to be part two, I'm sure we're going to release this next week, of our uh, Masters preview from the Fried Egg fame. First time ever we've crossed over and done a podcast. Mr. Andy Johnson, what's happening? Long time listener, uh, first time caller. Thanks for having me on, Sally. Surprised it's taken this long to, to happen, but I'm sure we have a big crossover in terms of listenership between here and the Fried Egg podcast, which of course you host. But for those that aren't familiar with what you do and you and what and who you are, can you give us a bit of background? Uh, yeah, I, I just uh, started a golf website, kind of like you guys, and uh, now I I write about golf for a living and talk about golf, and it's it's been a fun ride. I I think one of the things that the internet probably knows me best for is uh, golf course architecture. So Augusta is an exciting week because you know it's a rare time where they play a really uh, great golf course. That's I want to. You you don't get excited for a ton of golf courses. At least it seem it doesn't seem to be. At least the uh, the 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 the, prof- the courses that professionals play. But you maintain. Uh, I just I just grow to expect. When I love a golf course, that Andy's going to have something bad to say about it. But in your mind, you th- you rank Augusta way up near the top from an architecture perspective. In terms of uh, where they've, uh, you know, where they play week in week out, I I think Augusta and and Riviera are the clear one two, and um, I think Augusta of all the really great golf courses is the one that's been changed the most over the years, which is you know, pretty fascinating if you look down the list of the top 10 golf courses in America and, you know, the vast majority of them have seen little to no change over, you know, since they were originally designed and Augusta has been, you know, consistently altered. I mean, almost every year there are subtle, small tweaks, but, you know, it's undergone a lot of big changes as well. And we're going to touch on some of those. And I, I recommend this piece every year around this time. The best thing Golf Digest, I think, has ever done. They have compiled. I'll, I'll include the link to this in the, in the show notes. But compiled the almost a complete list of changes with graphics and, and images to show how the holes have changed over the course of the years, what years they changed the most. And, and you can – it's always fascinating to flip between like 2011, which I think was when this was wrote, and 1934 when the course essentially opened or when the first Masters was held – just to see how much has changed from there. And we're going to get to into some of those details. We're going to nerd out a bit on this podcast. But from your perspective, from an architecture perspective, what, what makes Augusta National great? I think the strategy of it. Um, and, you know, it's got a lot of really good architectural principles where driving it to the proper side of the fairway where you take on the risk on a given hole gives a much better angle. I think... The biggest thing is the greens. Um, I always kind of have said, have you ever played a really great golf hole that doesn't have a great green? And Augusta has spectacular greens um, from the sense especially of if you don't hit a great approach shot, you're going to have a tough two putt or, uh, you know, if you short side yourself at Augusta, an impossible up and down. 
So what it really does is it places a premium on approach shots. And if you are a little bit out of position off the tee, your chance at having a good shot into that approach shot, you can even be in the fairway some holes, um, are really small. So what it constantly does is it asks players to hit the great shot. And if it's slightly average, you're not rewarded with a great birdie putt. I mean, I th- how many... I think one of the great things with Augusta is how the ball feeds and rolls on the greens. And we see, you know, people's shots spinning off ridges and down to different hole locations that are tucked. Um, It's just a, it's a golf course that is, it places all the hazards kind of right out in front of you and asks players to hit the shots. And if they hit them, you can see flurries of birdies and great runs like we see every year on the back nine. But if you don't, we see big numbers and and I think that's such a cool dynamic and that's what causes those big swings on the leaderboard so I'm kind of working on a take that was not I debuted it last night on on our on the live show the live rewatch we did of the 04 masters and I want to test it out on you I kind of have a theory that the greens at Augusta actually are not that difficult to putt it's just infinitely more important to position yourself in the right spot and if you do that then I think putting kind of gets neutralized a little bit I mean we've seen players like Bubba Watson win two masters and he's never been known as a good putter. Uh, is there, is there any credence to that? Do you, will you at least somewhat agree with that? Yeah, totally. I think with Augusta, a lot of times it's, it's better to be 30 feet away than eight feet away. If you're in the right spot, putting up the hill. Um, I think a lot of times we see the, you know, some shaky putters win at Augusta because they outball strike the field. Um, in the sense that, you know, it's that it goes back to that importance of the approach shot where you perennial uh, per, annually you see the very best iron players usually having the most success at Augusta. I mean, th- you go down the list, Phil Mickelson's won three times. He's one of the greatest iron players of this generation. Tiger Woods, four times. Great iron player. Jordan Spieth had unbelievable uh, success at, at Augusta is a great iron player. Last year, Sergio Garcia won over Justin Rose, two spectacular iron players. You know, it, it's very rare that you see somebody that's not really great with the irons win at Augusta because they're getting it into that right position like you alluded to. And from, you know, 30 feet below the hole, everybody is a pretty good putter. No, Bones just mentioned that on the, our most recent podcast too. Like on 16, they would much and the shot he hit into an 04, he was about 18 feet underneath the hole. That they would ra- they, that was the perfect shot. They would rather be in that spot than five feet past the hole. Like it's not even an option to be past that pin. Yeah, was it, didn't Sergio hit it above and left of that flag to like five feet? And I mean, it, it's such a tough little putt last year, and he missed it, and everybody's like, "Oh, he choked." It's like. Well, it's incredibly fast, and that putt broke like you know eight inches. It's yeah. you know it's not really an easy putt to hit. He wasn't trying to leave it in that spot, but yeah, um, I'm interested. In the, you mentioned it just on how much Augusta has changed over the years, and it's a topic that fascinates me. I I love reading about it. I love reading about the changes, and I, for the most part, the golf course from the, the 1930s into the late 90s wasn't. It wasn't changed as much as it's changed since then. I think what we've seen so much of a shift in technology in the last 20 years than we saw obviously what Tiger Woods did uh, in 1997 that forced a lot of these changes. 
Um, and the, some of the spirit, I think, of the original layout has been lost. But from what do you know, I guess, from like original Masters history or original Augusta history back to the Bobby Jones, Alistair McKenzie days, how the course came about and what was the, what was the, essentially the spirit of what Augusta National was designed to be? So Bobby Jones wasn't an architect, but like you see with a lot of TPC courses today, he acted as a player consultant for McKenzie at um, the master at Augusta when it was originally designed. And it came about because Jones played at Pasa Tiempo uh, after he missed the cut at the USAM and became just enamored with Pasa Tiempo and McKenzie's design there and brought him over to build this course in Augusta, Georgia. And the two of them were most enamored with the old course at St. Andrews. They thought it was just an incredible golf course. Um, the restraint, the use of the ground game, the uh, limited bunkers, the playability of it in the sense that, you know, for an average golfer, it was ex- exceptionally playable, but for it could test the world's best players um, incredibly well. So the golf course um, originally was designed around uh, being a, not a replica, but inspired by the old course at St. Andrews. And, you know, when it originally opened, it had only 22 bunkers. And there were a number of bunkerless green surrounds, and they really, the golf course was much more of a ground game golf course. So where low running shots into greens were preferred. Um, today, what you see is is much more aerial game. Everything, you know, there's bunkers in front of greens and protected with water and such like that. So the, the golf course in the biggest sense has kind of changed from a, you know, more of a Lynx golf course where it was based around the British islands and a lot of the great holes you saw inspired a lot of holes at Augusta to now it's much more of an Americanized golf course. Do you, in your mind, do you think, or I guess where, when were the most significant changes made? When, when did the golf course really begin to shift from this ground game kind of old course St. Andrews inland vibe towards what it has become now? So, um, Gene Sarazen, uh, he won, in 35 and 34 and then before the 37 championship uh or right after the 37 championship he said in an interview par isn't par anymore today we're playing with modern uh, scientifically made equipment but courses have not kept up with time and and that's what he was talking about with augusta and uh and the most recent championship i think he said that you know i think it was uh Byron Nelson won with five under par, uh, and he said it was 11, actually 11 over par. So from that moment, they hired Maxwell later that year to start to make changes. And that's when, you know, you started to see the fronts of greens, more protected bunkers, and they reworked some of the greens. So they did big changes to the third, the fifth, and the tenth, and uh, the seventh, I think, also that year. But then in the 50s, they hired, you know, Robert Trent Jones to do a lot of work. And and they added the ponds on 11 and changed 16 at that time. But it's pretty fascinating. Uh, Over its history, 
So they had Mackenzie do the original design. Then they had Perry Maxwell work on it in the 30s. Then they had Robert Trent Jones, George Cobb, uh, John Lavoie, George Fazio, Joseph Finger, Byron Nelson, Jay Morish, Bob Cup, Jack Nicholas, and most recently Tom Fazio work on the golf course. So <laughs> it's pretty, I mean, a laundry list of uh, architects and in, in the sense of its original McKenzie design, much of it's lost. And that's what, you know, in reading about, about the original design and even, I, have you ever played the Tiger Woods video game with, uh, that had Augusta in it? Yeah, of course. It's, uh, I remember it when like that the, came out, that was the best when that came out and, and that, that you could play like the 1934 version of the course with old hickory clubs and you could play, you could do different challenges along the, along the course of the years. You could do like a Jack Nicholas challenge and you'd play the course as it was in the seventies and whatnot. And it was fascinating just to see and read about just the, the philosophy behind McKenzie and how he wanted the, the, to be the ultimate strategic, uh, like from T to green, just the, 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 an exercise of the brain more so than it was brute force. And he wanted it to be very not intimidating to a high handicapper and that you're not going to lose a ton of balls. You can kind of hit it where you want to off the tee, yet for the lower handicap player playing to different sides of the fairway and you know using the undulations around the greens to get to pins was essentially the goal of it. But today, I mean, again, we're a long ways away from the 1930s when this was built. Today, it, it doesn't necessarily resemble a lot of that and that so much of of how it plays off the tee now is, I guess, more. Would you would you consider the course much more demanding off the tee now than Mackenzie had atten- uh, intended? Yeah, I would. I would say it's much more demanding. I think it. What has happened is, I mean, when I ask you, what type of player is going to do well at Augusta, what would you say? I would say uh, you touched on earlier, but I would say great iron player. I think it's a bit of a miss. People think that you need to be super long to win at Augusta. I've, I've always maintained you just need to be long enough. You need to be like in the upper thirty to forty percent to be to contend at Augusta. Yeah, so you need to have some distance. They they say the right to left shots preferred. Um, you know, you, great iron player. But then if you flip that and say, what type of player can win at the old course? I mean. Uh, that that course is I wouldn't even think you need any kind of major distance advantage to win at the old course I mean but at the same in the same way do you do you think that course favors a right to left ball flight is that what you're getting at no no so that course any you know people are allowed to play whichever you know however suits their game so you can play you can be a shorter hitter and the the width of the fairways allow you to play to certain sides and and get advantages that way. It, anybody can hit driver on any hole and get it up there. Essentially, you know what has happened with the in with the tigerification and a lot of the you know the loss of width is that it dictates the way the holes are played today versus allowing a hole to be played in many different ways. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, looking further at like number nine now is almost like a bit of a shoot that guys have to drive through. And 
everyone's got to take the same exact route. And the way 11 is now, it's so far back that guys can't even get around the corner anymore. And there's very, there's some strategy as to which side of the fairway you hit it on. But for most guys, it's just bomb it out there as far as you can. And so much of that original design of, hey, let's, hey, be creative, figure out your own way to the green, I think has been kind of lost in an effort to protect par. And even you, you, you were quoting there, Sarah's in saying that, you know, even in the late 30s, uh, yep. talking about par and it being too too easy i think that so much of the of the strategic i guess masterfulness of augusta has been lost in an effort to to keep up with technology yeah it's like so the fifth hole was originally designed to, to be modeled after the road hole the 17th at st andrews and you know the great thing about the 17th at st andrews is if you take on the risk so with the fifth it's the bunkers up the left side you get the best angle into the green. Well, now the fairway there is so narrow that there is no play to the right. Like at, at the old course, you can play as far left as you want on the 17th, but every yard you go further off that aggressive line, you have a worse and worse angle. So the fifth now that if you play right of the bunkers, it's, it's extremely narrow and it's really just rough there. So I think, you know, I, the thing that I think when you think about golf is like the most fascinating shots in golf come from like recovery. And when players are, are asked to hit these great shots and what happens when you narrow fairways is, is that becomes less and less of an option. So, you know, you see it a lot of times with, I think why Spieth plays so well at Augusta is that he understands where to miss and when to take risks. And he relies on his short game so much out there but he, if you watch the where, where he misses, like how many times have you seen Jordan Spieth just bail out right on 11 and get up and down um, if, he, if he hits a bad tee shot or whatever it may be? But, you know, when there was more width there and, it, you know, originally it was just a creek, it, it enticed when, when you put a world-class player in the fairway, if they're at a bad angle or a good angle, they still they, there's a psychological thing where you're playing with their ego. Because they think they can hit every shot because they can and they pull it off all the time on the range. So when you put rough, what you're doing is you're preventing in the great them attempting to hit the great shot and the risk associated with hitting a great shot from a, a disadvantaged angle. All right, guys, summer is just around the corner. Hopefully you guys are already planning your summer vacations. Vacations means travel and there's nothing worse than heading out on a trip, realizing you forgot something important. Uh, if you have an OGO bag, then you have got those problems all taken care of. Now, I travel with the OGO Mutant Travel Bag. I can fit absolutely anything I need in that with my, my golf bag, which doesn't take up a lot of weight. Uh, I can jam in just 20 pounds worth of clothes if need be. All OGO Travel Bags come with their signature thoughtful organization so that you will have a place to put your most important things. There's small little features like separated pockets for your dirty clothes and dedicated place for your shoes. It makes your life easier when you get home too. So make the most of this pre of your precious time off this summer. Upgrade to OGO and for, spe for uh, special for listeners of the No Laying Up podcast, celebrate back to summer with OGO by saving 25% on all travel bags on OGO.com. Promo code NLU, OGO, the world's best bags. Let's get back to Andy Johnson. So you, you, I hear you talk off a lot about a lot of golf courses that need trees taken out. And I think Augusta has actually taken the opposite approach of planting enormous trees, somehow wheeling enormous trees in and putting them in 
to you, which which of the tree planting that they've done over the last twenty years is the most offensive? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just think like how narrow all of them. I mean, I think if there's one hole that kind of sticks out as like the most changed hole and the most narrowed hole would be the seventh, which originally was a drivable par four. Um, Byron Nelson in 37 drove it in the, in the final round and that next year it was changed or dramatically and it had bunkers put in front of it. It was still like, it was 370, but today it's 450 yards and it's extremely narrow with trees. So I think sometimes like the variety of a, as we see with like the 10th at Riviera year in, year out, the most fun holes are these short drivable par fours. So to me, I mean, was I, one of my favorite holes at Augusta is the third, um, that short par four and, and why, because it, you know, it, there's so much interest in how people play it. People play it short of the bunker. People try and drive it up by the green people drive it over the green and then you see guys make fives and sixes from 10 yards from the pin. And that it's fascinating golf versus, you know, a long par four where pretty much the, you drive it and you hit a shot up. Everybody plays that hole the exact same way. And to me, seven also is just a hole that doesn't fit. It doesn't, it definitely doesn't fit the original design of the hole, right? Going from like a short drivable four to just now a long straight par four down the chute. And that is like a classic example of what, what they did with seven and 11 seems to me just like a, such an effort to protect the par. I mean, we hear a lot about a lot of the lengthening that they did, how it was to preserve the, try to have the same irons that, you know, Arnold Palmer and Gene Sarazen were hitting into greens back in their day. Yet mm-hmm. seven and eleven don't seem to really match that. Seven and eleven seem to me to be un not unfairly, but so far extremely. Uh, the 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 changes were so extreme and the lengthening so extreme. The difficulty like changed the the spirit of the hole and that the green on seven doesn't necessarily fit approach shots that are coming in with five irons off down slopes to a a green completely guarded by bunkers. You can't run shots up to that green. The, the green goes back uphill. And that's where I think I kind of get a, a bit frustrated with what's happened with Augusta over the years. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's uh, it just it like you said, it just removes the different options of play. You know, it yeah. forces a long drive down a narrow fairway, and then a high approach shot into a severe green versus you know the un, unguarded by bunker green. You could hit a, a low running shot. I, you know, Jeff Ogilvie told me one of the biggest shames for golf fans was that they don't get to see Rory McIlroy hit all the shots that he's capable of because the golf courses don't require him to. Oh, so that's, that's really interesting. No, and I think so. Uh, I think with what hap- has happened with technology, obviously changes were needed, um, and maybe and I think you and I would would say that. That you know the changes that we would make would be in relation to technology, but let's take those off the table. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you're on the Augusta National Committee, right, and let's say at '97, and they see what Tiger Woods had just done to that golf course, and and let's say you let's say you even have the knowledge of where technology is going to go over the next two decades, 
What would you have recommended they do to change the course? Because their approach was to bring in this, this, introducing the second cut in 99. They brought in trees. They narrowed landing areas. And they lengthened the course over the next seven or eight years about 540 yards. So I don't think that's the approach Andy Johnson would have taken. But what would you, what would you have recommended to, to the club at that time? Well, um, so I, I, I think, I mean, I was 10 years old at the time. When well, he won, let's but, say now. But, let's say now. But, you get to go back in time. But uh, the I think the biggest thing is like don't have these knee jerk reactions. Um, I think that's like one of the and and everybody loves. I think what every you know we've talked about par, you know, and everybody's fascination with par. And if you look at the technology thing, everybody is like, well, players are better, you know the the equipment's better, they're stronger, they're so like why do we still hold on to the old standard of par? Like Tiger Woods is a perfect example. This guy was the greatest player golf had ever seen. And he was a completely different athlete. He played the game differently. But, you know, he's he was you know, he's the greatest player in my opinion of all time. Like so don't have a knee jerk reaction to him. Um <laughs> Keep right. the golf course with the width that they had um, because that width is what allowed other people to compete with Tiger. So I would, you know, I think some of the distance is added is good for shot value to like retain having to hit longer shots into certain greens. Like, but the narrowing is where I have a problem because that's where what, what we talked about with, you know, you have to be a top 30 to 40% driver of the golf ball to, you know, to, um, ha have a chance at Augusta. That's where you lost the variety of players that could win at Augusta. So the guy like Billy Casper would never win at Augusta that now. Back to what you were saying on the knee jerk reactions, Tiger won by 12 and 97. There were no major changes before 98, 58 year old Jack Nicklaus beat 22 year old tiger in 98 at Augusta and Marco Mira in his forties won. like it was, it was an anomaly what happened in 97. It didn't need, I mean, I think we would agree that there were lengthening that there was lengthening that needed to happen and should happen based on technology. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I, I, I think like if you're not going to do anything with technology, then it's, it's fine to lengthen the golf course, but what was lost is the strategy that came with the width and the ability to play to different angles. I think one of the most fascinating things about Augusta is if you talk to people is that, you know, and it's still to this day, that's why it's still a great course today is I think when you, the more you play Augusta, the more you learn and the truly great golf courses and the great golf holes in the world, you, you st you could play it a hundred times and you're still not sure if you're playing it the right way. And that's, I think some of the things that are lost when you narrow down the fairways is that a certain day's pin position could dramatically alter which portion of the fairway you want to be on. And you know, the hazards that come with trying to get over to that, that part of the fairway. Have you read Tiger's book about the 97 masters? I, I did. I, I didn't read all of it. I, I read the last chapter though. What he talked that's, about the golf course. That's, that's the only chapter I've read. It's it's fascinating. I loved it. I mean, I, they talk about 
he talks about, first of all, he says, I, re- I remember reading this and writing it down as I read it, like, you need angles. And I was like, Andy would love this book. He needs to make sure he reads this. But he talks about how the things he would change about it and how they mow the fairways back towards the tee, from the green back towards the tee, and it prevents the ball from rolling out. That's kind of their way of, of preventing distance. And that it's that much harder to really like flush one off the turf. So for the criticism that Augusta gets for just being like kind of a, you need to be super long to 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 dominate there. Doesn't that only add more of an advantage to the long hitters? Yeah, I, I it's I think for really good golfers, the scariest thing is when your ball is rolling. Hmm. So the more the ball rolls, like I, you know, especially when you're talking about players that are playing in the Masters is. They're so like the greatest skill is their ability to control distance. Like when Tiger's dialed in, as you heard him say at Riviera, like I, I can't hit the ball the right number. Like that's an alarming thing when you're a good player and you can't hit the ball the right number because where they have such great skill is hitting it the exact number. But if you get that ball rolling, that's where they lose control. Once the ball hits the ground, if you have, and that's where so many interesting contours are at Augusta is once the ball hits the ground, you kind of lose control of the ball as a really good player. So I think those fairways, they retain more width, but it also favors the really good, uh, the really long player because they're easier to hit. Um, and for the shorter player that doesn't carry it as long, they lose that roll, and you know the dispersion rate essentially goes up for bigger players, but for that shorter hitter that's more precise... You know, it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, and in the book, he talks about setup a ton. Said he, Tiger would want it playing as fast as possible, like you just mentioned. He would want the ball rolling out. He've oh, he's always said that he thought because he's so superior at striking the ball to other players. The ultimate test of how you can control your ball that he has an advantage. I think when it plays firm and talks about just how it's supposed to be an inland leaks, inland links, and that it's inspired from St Andrews, and that he would want the grass around the greens also to be super tight, and that that would encourage guys to be able to hit seven iron chips. But now that the, the way the greens are the the area around the greens now are maintained is that going aerial is essentially the only option and part of the the creativity around you know di- playing different shots around the green that you definitely see at the old course I mean when I when I play the old course the 60 degree doesn't come out of the bag there's no situation that I would ever hit a 60 in because you don't want to hit it off that super tight turf and that was kind of uh kind of it creates this you know you start putting the ball you start hitting seven irons and four irons and three woods and it's so much more fun and interesting but uh i just found Mm -hmm. that that does all the all any insight he has on it he doesn't really hold back he says exactly what he's thinking about what they should do with the course he wants to cut back the forests on nine and eleven he also said those bunkers on five are out of place he said that was the the one of the biggest things that sticks out to him that that doesn't fit the 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 course he would get rid of the second cut and then the best part is he says they ever lengthened number 12 i'm out of there i'm no longer going to play the masters if they lengthen 12 yeah it's uh i mean it, it it's it's pretty simple i mean the roadmap's there they have all these old aerials those old photos i mean that's to do an authentic restoration i mean it, it would be pretty easy i don't think you i don't i'm necessarily know if you'd go all the way back i think obviously i think alistair mckenzie is you know most would consider him the greatest architect of all time so i think you want your golf course to be as close to the original as possible, but I think that you can make some changes based off the considerations for, you know, what's happened with technology. Um, I think, I, I mean, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is like 
to you, what's the best looking bunker on the golf course? The best looking one? I mean, it's probably the the te- the bunker in the middle of the tenth fairway that was next to the old green. That's no, the green's no longer even next to it. I think that's the only Mackenzie bunker that's still been preserved. Is that right? Exactly. So, I mean, like, I think one of the uh, Mackenzie's greatest skills was bunkering and the artistry and the flair he had for it. And aesthetically, it, it, I mean, the it, Zach Blair and I played, you know, did we played a ton of Mackenzie courses on a recent trip to California. And you just like the layering and different things he did with bunkers. I mean, you got to get those back. I, they went Maxwell changed them in 37 and, and having played a Mackenzie Maxwell, it, it, those bunkers look really similar to the ones you see at Crystal Downs, um, where there just isn't as much artistry that, you know, the bunkers at, at Augusta had more of the Mackenzie Hunter flair to them originally. And, and those, those would be really cool to get back as a starting point is to really look at, Hey, like we want to bring some of this Mackenzie feel back. Let's look at getting the width and the bunkering back. And that's reading about Mackenzie's history and whatnot and his background and, and his kind of penchant for what you just mentioned about layering and the, 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 uh, the way he would bunker courses is based on his knowledge serving in the war, in the Boer War in South Africa, what is now South Africa, uh, in ex- being an expert essentially in camouflage and studying camouflage. I just found that so interesting that he took these, these war tactics and ter- essentially turned it into a career of, of golf course design. I found it also the 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 origin story of 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 Augusta is kind of a sad one. I mean, the, the, their history is it's a it's a long, weird some 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 parts wonderful, some really not wonderful. What blew my mind about Augusta was it, it becoming this kind of you know this mecca in the golf world. Yet Alistair McKenzie died, I believe, before ever seeing the final product. Is that right? I I believe so. It, it, actually, he didn't get paid. He right, died what, like broke. Yeah. Because it was, you know, obviously right in the middle of the Great Depression. And uh, so he died, like, essentially impoverished. Uh, you know, and there's, there's uh, if you go to, the, like, the Alistair McKenzie Society website, there's there's a, a great timeline that Sean Tully put together, but where he's writing Augusta essentially begging for his fee because he, he didn't have any money. And it, it's just kind of a sad... Um, story of you know the greatest architect of of all time but it's there were a lot of people that weren't getting paid at that time so right it's it's all relative to the the time period right so um mm -hmm. what can you help me with this i just learned this in the last couple weeks uh especially specific to the 13th hole the changes that were made there at one point uh, why was Jack Nicholas able to consult uh, in the early 80s? This is several years before uh, he ended up winning, of course, his final Masters. Why was he able to consult uh, in his uh, Bob Cup of Jack Nicholas's design firm, added elevation and contour and a swale between the collar and the bunkers behind 13? How was that allowed? How is that possible? Hey, Jack, uh, Jack was, is maybe you know second to being the most prolific major champion in the history of golf, he might be golf's greatest salesman. So, I mean, he, he's designed a ton of golf courses and a, at the time it, it just was a, a bad time for golf course architecture. But I mean, the name Jack Nicholas, like it, it kind of, I could Tiger Woods is a similar way. Like if it, you know, Tiger Woods says to do something, you should do it. 
And I think that's the way Jack, you know, Jack is in the same thing. If, if Jack says to do something. And I think that's like the biggest thing with what's happened at Augusta over the years is that they've made these knee jerk reactions to players, you know, and it all started with Sarazen saying, hey, you know, this this score isn't really a real score. You know, uh, Nelson didn't shoot five under. He was actually 11 over because the par at Augusta should be 68. Um, so it all kind of goes back to this idea of par and and protecting against the players that were the players and the equipment that were advancing every year. It looks like this is going to be the last year that we see this 13th hole in the way that we have known it essentially our whole lives. What do you make of that hole currently as it stands from an architecture standpoint? I it, It's such a neat hole. It's got such cool strategy. I mean, it's everything I kind of like to talk about is if you challenge up the left side of the creek, you get a flat lie and, a, and the best angle to approach the green. So take on the risk and you get rewarded handsomely but every single angle you walk off that line you get a worse lie a longer shot and a worse angle to approach that green and i mean it as we see it you know it goes back to this recovery shot like how cool was it seeing phil hit those shot that shot from the trees to to recover you know if the hole's 50 yards longer we're probably going to lose that golf shot you know he would just lay it up and we'd be we lost one of the greatest shots in Masters history. So, I mean, it's narrowed a ton. They've planted trees, but it's still, I mean, it, you know, the reason they're lengthening it back is they'd never go to a par 71 and just call it a par 4. Or, you know, likewise, they have lost, like, the long iron approach in, and, and what Bubba Watson can do by curving it around the, the hole is unbelievable. But, and so, I, you know, I go back and forth, like, if there's never going to be anything done with technology, like I'm, I'm not that opposed to the hole being lengthened. Um, but I would like to see width restored with you're going to lengthen the hole, make it wider and take down some of the trees that you planted. Yeah. And for the exact reasons you said, I just find every element of that hole fascinating, right? I mean, I don't necessarily need to see guys hit their tee shots on number, I don't know, let's say nine or, or something like that. You know, you can, but I would, if, if they broadcast skips over showing somebody's tee shot on 13, like I'm pissed. Cause that is so fascinating to watch how much those guys want to take off from the left or if they bail out, right. If they still want to go for it after bailing, right. And then even if you, if you miss and you're in the trees on the right, I love how wide open that fairway is for your next shot. And it's truly a great restoration of the original design of, Hey, the, this is as wide as you want. You can choose what angle you want. You can lay it up. So if like a pin is front left, you can lay it up as far down the right if you want. And that helps you get more green to work with. And instead of trying to get to that front left pin from just in front of it, I just think there's so many fascinating elements uh, to that hole. And to your point earlier, like it's got a great green to it and a great green complex and some fascinating pins that when you put that pin right underneath that big slope, if you, if you bail out and go long, like there's very little chance of getting up and down. But if you take the risk on and play to the center of the green and, and take on the risk of the water, like you could end up making Eagle. So I just, I, I'm worried about the future of that hole. They're not going to buy up that land from Augusta Country Club and not lengthen it. So we know it's going to happen. And I just wonder, is it still going to play somewhat of the same way we've seen so for so many great memories along the years? Yeah. I mean, I think like if they added just 20 yards, it would, you, you see a lot of guys hit three wood now. So if it, you know, if they add 20, 30 yards and it, it, it makes just driver a necessity again, 
I don't have a problem that much with it. I think like you really want to just open up that right side and off the tee and, and let people play further and further right, get worse and worse of an angle and worse and worse of a lie. And you're just going to see better, cooler, you know, more guys hit into the water and more guys hit really spectacular, great golf shots that can, you know, turn the tides of their rounds. Like, I think that that's what, you know, Augusta is so great for is all of the opportunities on the back nine that it presents players that are within four or five shots of the lead, the opportunity to hit spectacular golf shots and come back, you know, and if you, you know, you might not, you could be five shots up on the back nine heading into Sunday at, you know, it with Sunday in its final round and some guy could chase you down and shoot a 30. You know, like that's the beauty of Augusta. If you shoot even par with a five-shot lead, you're not necessarily going to win. What do you think from about the 15th hole, specifically the changes to that? I mean, when we saw Tiger play it, he was able to hit like sand wedge into it essentially in 97 with the helping win. But uh, in 99, they brought in tree. They played in those trees down the left, and they put in the second cut down the right and added trees down the right. Do you think that the the spirit of that hole has kind of been ruined a bit? It's interesting. Tom Doak was on my podcast. I forgot which one it was, but he talked about how the 15th hole at Augusta was like his least favorite hole out there because Mm -hmm. of, you know, just the idea of the the green and uh, the wedge shot from a downslope to just such a tough green. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it just goes back to everything we're talking about is that the way how narrow it gets, everything like what's the one thing you do at 15 now hit it far and hit it straight. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, that's your one objective off the tee. You know, if you look at like the 34 hole, like, and obviously in 1934, it was 485 yards. That's like a driver sand wedge for these guys now, which is crazy. But if you, you know, if you, you just have to look at the width because then all of a sudden when the pin is over on the left side, you're going to want to play it up the right side. Say it's today's yardage, but at four, 530 with, you know, with the width that it had in 34. You're going to play it way up the right side, and then you get the better angle into that left pin. But if the pin's over on the right, you want to play it way up the left side, and you can get that better angle into the right pin. And that, I think, is where it's kind of been lost, is like just these angles and different routes and options to play. So, you know, with that, it, it just, it homogenizes the field. I, it, you know, not to go back to Ogilvy, but another thing Ogilvy said to me about was how, how interesting would it be to watch a, ma- a tennis match between Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal if they were only allowed to hit it right down the center of the court the entire match? Hmm. Like, it would it'd be extremely boring. But if you allow people you know the interest in tennis is when these guys have to play to the lines and it's the same way with golf so playing to the edges of the fairways is where all the interest is my only i guess i don't even i'm sure if it's an argument i guess the argument people would make against it i'm not necessarily saying i agree with it though is that you know with the original design being so wide open and with today's equipment and the the lack of fear of a miss and the, the, the ability of guys to just swing away and bomb it. And yet, while at the same time, you know, being on certain sides of the fairway are beneficial, 
But at the you know, if you get to a certain length, if you're having a nine iron in to 15, the guys don't care that much about the angle. So I guess could, could Augusta have implemented different strategic challenges off the tee, you know, maintaining the width? Like, so I always like when you point out when there's a hole that guys benefit from playing close to hazards. Like if you play in how in, mm-hmm. you, you did some illustrations at Innisbrook showing, Hey, some of these holes are kind of flawed because guys are better off playing away from these hazards and it's, it's, it doesn't really incite excitement. So what could you, what could they implement? You, you touched on it with on 13. Like if you play close to that hazard, you get a great benefit, but other than tightening and narrowing 15, what, what challenge would you introduce to somebody off the tee if you wanted to, ch- to change that hole? <clears throat> You could just restore the width back and put like a, a deep center line bunker right in the center of the fairway. So essentially, those p- players are going to look at it and say, oh, shit, which side of the fairway should I play to, the right or the left? And you could make it maybe to favor you know one side of the fairway, which is a little bit of a safer route. But what that would do is essentially if if they hit it right down the middle into the fairway it would force them to play to the edges and if you're in that rough trying to hit that green with a mid to long iron you're going to have no chance but that center line bunker i think that's something that if you look through the original golf course there was a number of center line bunkers and i think now i don't there isn't really any center line bunkers out there if i uh my mind is, I guess three is kind of a centerline bunker t- today. And it, it, not really, though. You know, it, it, it could be more. But there, that that's something that would be extremely easy to do is just to restore the width and add centerline bunkers that are that force people to play to different sides or they're in this in a deep bunker. I mean, was McKenzie, I, I know it on the second hole, there was a centerline bunker in the original second mm-hmm. hole, and that they've moved that bunker all over the place in recent years. Now it kind of banks the outside right of the dog leg. Uh, was McKenzie necessarily known for creating centerline bunkers? Was that a, a famous design technique of his? Well, yeah, I think it's uh, it, I think that McKenzie, I, I don't have the quote handy, but I believe he said something along the lines of, you know, a great hazard is placed directly where you want to hit your shot. You know, that's the best place for hazard is like, you know, if, if you're an architect and you, you know, renovate a hole at a club and somebody says, Hey, that bunker is right where I always hit it. Then you've done a really good job. <laughs> so yeah. I think like hazard hazards are meant to be played away from. I think that's like a, actually one of the things that happened at Augusta too is, is with the green sides is that, They've added so many bunkers to both sides on certain holes that it's, you know, it it almost makes it easier in a way because if there's bunkers right and left on a given hole or hazards right and left, like the player knows exactly what to do. Just hit a good shot. It's like what I said to you that one time we played it, <laughs> played that really tight hole at, at uh, what was it? Uh, Atlantic, Atlantic Beach. Beach. Just just hit a hit a good shot and you're going to be fine. Is that what you really said? But, was, that the, was that what the quote yeah. was? Uh, so, so what I say to myself before those types of shots is I, <laughs> I, I get ready and I say, just hit a fucking good shot. And <laughs> usually I end up hitting my best shot of the day. Because like what happens when there's just like when there's a bunker or a creek on the left side and the whole other side of the hole is undefended, you know, like what's your natural reaction going to be? Yeah. No, I'm it's going to be to miss it miss it away from there and then they don't hit 
you know, when you put stuff, when you frame everything, these guys are so good, they're going to hit it right down the middle almost all the time. But if you leave a side open, undefended, that's, you know, they're going to play, like, these guys play really cautiously, actually. You know, that's what, yeah, I, I was, we were down at Barnboogle playing like the, I think the 15th hole at uh, Barnboogle Dunes, maybe it was the 14th, the par four. Uh, it's, it's the first time I played the course, but I'm looking at this center line bunker and there's tons of room left of it. Like what, as, as much fairway as you'd want. And I'm looking at my, my instinct was like, all right, let's just play way out there. And I started thinking, I'm like, all right, Doke is messing with me here. There's gotta be, there's a catch here. And so I just played right at that centerline bunker and played right behind it, left myself a longer shot in, but I had a perfect, like a perfect view of the green. Everybody that played left was, had a completely blind look at the left, uh, from that left side, you had no look at the green. And I just remember thinking like, all right, that's the, that's the exercise that like a good designer makes you go through before you, before you hit a tee shot. And I'm just I'm flipping through the the old 1934 images. I'm counting a centerline bunker on on two, on eight, uh, on 18, um, on 14, and so yeah, there were a ton of centerline bunkers in the original design, kind of to help encourage that kind of line of thinking that you're talking about. So I'm not sure I ever really fully realized yeah. or thought of that, but uh, I mean, if you put a it's, if you put a bunker in the middle of the 15th fairway, guys would flip out, and I like that, but dudes would hate it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look at like the uh, what was it? The whole eleven at at Boston this year. How much guys freaked out about, um, and it ended up being the only hole that Dustin Johnson hit more than a seven iron into a green on, um, because they changed it. And and guys were year. playing. Yeah, <laughs> guys were playing down other fairways. So I think the centerline bunkers. I, I think uh, is you see. It's it's become a big prevalent in design today. I think like Bill Corr, Ben Crenshaw, Doak, um, Gil Hance, all these guys, David Kidd are are using centerline bunkers a ton now. And it was just something lost. Like you have to have width to do a centerline bunker well. So like when we say, hey, put a centerline bunker in 15, it wouldn't work as it is today. You'd have to take right. down all the trees. You'd have to get the 65, 70 yard wide fairway back in order to do it. Um, a good story about centerline bunker. So I was playing the U.S. Mid-Am and I'm coming down the stretch on my second day and I'm right on like the match play bubble. And the 15th hole on the Stonewall North course has a centerline bunker in a 90 yard wide fairway. And the, the bunker can't be more than three yards wide. And during my practice round, I played with a couple guys and we got there and we were like, what the fuck do we do? You know? Do you aim it left and take it up along the hazard or do we aim it right? So in this and I'm coming down the stretch and I hit like the best drive I hit all day right into the center line bunker because we figured out, hey, let's just aim it. It's only three yards wide. So it's it's a maddening design. That center line bunker makes people think and it forces them to pick a line and it forces them to make a decision. And I think when you're talking about the greatest players in the world, the more you get them thinking, the more you win. We talked a lot about a lot of different holes, but do you have a favorite hole uh, at Augusta? Um, yeah, I, I, 13's obviously, I think, mm-hmm. maybe the greatest hole ever designed in golf. So I would say 13, but if you are if you want one off the beaten path, I really like 14, which is devoid of any bunker and is pretty wide. Um, I think that that green's a pretty neat little green. It's I think it's got like 10 feet of elevation between the front and the back. And, uh, I think it, it, it gets overlooked just because it's sandwiched in this incredible stretch of closing holes, 
Um, but I, I like 15 or 14 a lot. I, I love hole three. Three is fascinating golf hole. I used to dislike three before. That was pre-woke stage. Now I like see, <laughs> I see, I see the beauty in number three. What do you think of 17? Um, it's, it's all right. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, it's. Neil thinks it's, it's the super, worst hole out there. It's so narrow. <laughs> it's just, I. You go back and you look at the original, and there was no bunkers, and I mean those got changed with Maxwell immediately. But you know, you, you go back and it, 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 you look at that hole, and it was, you know, he modeled the green after the 14th at St Andrews. Um, it, it, and it was supposed to be played with a run-up shot, and today it's super aerial. I mean, it's narrow, and 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 it is all about the aerial approach in there. Um, I mean. It's just tough because of where it falls in the round, you know? Yeah. I think it kind of stinks. I think that the, I, I don't know exactly how the, how the land falls, but I mean, I think that it's just such a dead straight hole now, narrow shoot. And I know that they're, uh, the seventh green doesn't let it happen, but it'd be, it'd be cool if the, if the, I don't know if they're able to move the green to the right and able to introduce some kind of left to right hole that so much of the holes benefit the right to left player that we talked about that I just think that, you know, coming down the stretch, it'd be cool if the, if there was a hole like 18, I, I, I've grown to love and to, that, uh, you know, guys that want to take it further around the corner, risk hitting the trees and, but that might cut your distance down a little bit uh, and get a better angle. Yeah. But 17, there just doesn't seem to be much strategic well, element yeah. to it other than just hit it long and straight. <laughs> it's like arguably the most narrow hole out there. And then yeah. they've got front, you've got two bunkers right in front. So like, I mean, how many different ways could you feasibly play the hole? Like right. is you could hit driver, you could hit three wood, but at the end of the day, you have to hit it straight, you know, versus opening it up and allowing people to play I want to play to the right side of the fairway. You like really can't do that. Like nobody's playing to the right side of that fairway or left side. Of, they're playing down the middle of the fairway. And and then you know on the pro shot, there's really only one shot you can hit. You can hit a high, um, you know, short iron or wedge into the green. Like that's all. And you're not going to see anybody hit any different shots there. Do you have a? Uh, I know we talked about seven, but do you have a least favorite hole out there? Uh, I mean seven, probably. I like I think I, 11 over the years has changed so much but it's still an interesting hole because of how difficult it is but you know it, it's not I would love to see it brought back to what it was I mean it's still a fascinating hole um if you could you know get that wide and you know there's all the contour on the front right of the green that just doesn't get used because it there the adding of the pond i think really has ruined that hole as well as like the tree planting because like there's just like you see it year in year out everybody bails right because there's no they don't incentivize people to hit the great shot or or give them the hope to think they can pull off you know right uh, all right, we're going to get you out of here with a couple more here, but uh, yeah. if you could design any type of playoff at Augusta, what holes would it be? Hole or holes? Like, so any holes? You could, if you could devise the playoff system for Augusta, what would it be? <laughs> Do I have to think about like going around to different things? So, to, like, <laughs> yes and I, no. All right, well, now that the USGA nicks the 18-hole playoff, I say 
bring the 18 hole playoff back. Okay. You know, and, and do it. But Augusta, I, I mean, I like the way I like the, the short aggregate. Cause like, you don't want to, you know, the problem with the 18 hole playoff is most people wouldn't get to watch it, but I would do. Yeah. I, I think if you could work in amen corner, it would be a pretty cool thing. Like if you could do 12, 13, um, let me trying to think about the map. You could go 12, 13, and then you could go 16, right? That's pretty close yeah. there. If you That's, could go 12. I would love to go 12, 13, 15, 16. There's a ton of reasons why it can't happen. But yeah. I think that would be absolutely fascinating if they could if they could somehow do that. I know that like for daylight purposes and like moving all the patrons down to that part of the property for a playoff, it would be kind of a disaster, and you'd have to use a cart to get in between holes. But that would be that would be must see television if those four holes were an aggregate score playoff. I'll have to think about that more if it, okay. it starts. At, I'll, I'll send you my uh, my because you could do. I think two is such a cool hole. Um, I. And then three, two and three are kind of underrated holes. And then you could do, if you could get over to the back nine, you could even do, I mean, you probably could do two, three, man, I don't know. It'd be, <laughs> that's a tricky one. Sorry. That's good. All, uh, we had this question from our, for our mailbag that we're going to get to, but I found this one fascinating. You're playing Augusta. You get to play one hole. And if you bogey or worse, you die. If you par or better, you live. Which hole do you choose? Oh, 13. Really? Yeah. You're that com- you're that confident you won't hook one into the trees? Well, I mean, you could hit 7 iron, 7 iron wedge. That's true. Um, I said I'd 2. Go, I said 2 might be the two, best bet. 2 wouldn't be a bad one. Um it's uh I don't know. Yeah, I'd say I'd say I'd probably pick 13. I I know I definitely wouldn't pick 12. That's the the yeah. last one I would pick. That'd be <laughs> That's a fair one. That's a fair choice. So, all right, Uh Andy, we'll let you out here on that. Thanks for the hour, man. Thanks for all the insights on Augusta. Uh, Look forward to uh, yeah. What what kind of uh, what kind of stuff can we look forward to over on your site uh, in advance of the Masters here? Um, I'm gonna do a couple podcasts with guys that played in the the Masters. Uh, Then I'll have a bunch of articles. Uh, Last year, I had a cool article that was like a architect mailbag, where you know, if you're interested in the course and the design, Mike Clayton. Uh, Rob Collins and Keith Cutton talk about Augusta National over the years, what they love about it, what, you know, what they would do if they were, you know, real architects would do if they were tasked with redesigning it. Um, so uh, I would, uh, that's a cool article, but I'll have a bunch of stuff. Uh, check out the site um, and uh, it's com. So yeah, I'll have a ton of stuff up. Sweet. Well, thanks for the All time, right. buddy, and appreciate it and enjoy the Masters. Who, who's your pick? Spieth, forever and for always. Yours? Yeah. Oh man, I think I, I think I'm gonna go with uh, JT. I, yeah. I think he's the best player in golf. That's so. that's that would have been if I could. Cha- I lock him in at the beginning of the year, and if I were to change it, I would change it to JT. But I'm uh, I'm faithful to Spieth. So, so yeah, your your right. boy's good, man. So he's very thanks. good. He's very good at golf. So all right, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet, man. Take it easy. All right, later. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 